to the David Glenn Show. We will have our weekly State of North Carolina college football rankings a little bit later in this hour. But joining us now in a broader sense on that same topic, he helped the Alabama Crimson Tide to a national championship during his quarterbacking days. He now does great work on ESPN, the SEC Network, ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM and elsewhere. Greg McElroy, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. How are you? What's up, brother? How are we doing, man? I'm doing well. We'll ask you about Georgia LSU and Wisconsin, Michigan and Washington, Oregon and some of the other highlights of the weekend to come. But let me start you in a broader sense since you were an NCAA athlete, student athlete in every sense of that word in your case. Uh, but you have a different perspective, I imagine, years later. We around here are listening to Roy Williams, UNC basketball coach, talk about his disappointment. He said he was dumbfounded that the NCAA would not approve a waiver on a third exhibition basketball game that he had hoped to have to raise money for Hurricane Florence relief reasons. In the broad sense, can you say through the eyes of a young adult uh, that the NCAA is at least more open-minded to helping the student-athlete experience and being less tone-deaf, or is it still a million miles to go as you see it? No, it's it's definitely – I mean, I'm one of those former athletes that didn't have as much of an issue with the NCAA as others. Like, for instance, I know that they profited off of some players' likeness, but I also recognize – that there was a vast majority. And when I say vast majority, I'm talking like 99.9% of the student athletes that could walk across campus and no one even would even know who they are. Like, and that's, that's a vast majority. So the people that are being so-called exploited are few and far between the NCAA. I know it makes a lot of money, but it also provides a lot of opportunities. So I never had as much of an issue with the NCAA as everyone else did. If they want to profit off my likeness, great, because that means that somebody, maybe a first-generation college student at a Division II program, can go and experience college sports. Like, I'm fine with that. That never bothered me whatsoever. Other people have taken issue with it, and that's fine, but I've always viewed the NCAA as a group that operates with the greater good in mind, albeit – Sometimes I know it can be skewed based on numbers and all those other things. People have huge issues with it, and I, I get that as well. So um, they have become more lenient, though, because of the public outcry that's definitely come down. I mean, they are allowing players to transfer without penalty. They are allowing um, just a lot more leniency. Like you see programs getting away with more now. Uh, so they've definitely lightened up in the era of the autonomous five conferences because – the NCAA just doesn't have as much power as they used to. Now, the autonomous five are what really carry the weight in college athletics, and, and the NCAA can't really tell them how to operate or, or how to do things. Greg McElroy is joining us on the David Glenn Show. Follow him on Twitter, Life Sports Football, and the occasional Crimson Tide stuff as well, at Greg McElroy on TV, SEC Network, ESPN, on the radio side, ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM. The ESPN partner website, 538.com, which I love, uh, has Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, and Notre Dame as the statistically most likely to make the Final Four, the college football playoff bracket. How much deeper do you think that list realistically goes beyond the Tide, the Tigers, the Buckeyes, and the Fighting Irish? Uh, well, I, I would say that Washington is still very much alive. I, I know that 
a lot of experts have said, well, the Pac-12 is done. Oh, why? <laughs> I mean, I look at Washington and they're playing good football. And if they beat Oregon this week, then the path is pretty clear yeah. for Washington. Now, I mean, I, to run the table, can they do it? I mean, I don't know. But I do know that to say that they're not in the conversation is lunacy. So I, I for one, am, am very much a fan of what Washington's accomplished. They're the number one ranked uh, team that has only one loss in the AP poll. So uh, they're in a good spot. So they control their own destiny. I still feel quite strongly about that. The Big 12, I would say Oklahoma, Texas still has a shot. Texas has the biggest Big 12 hurdle behind them. And the next best team in the Big 12 goes to Austin in West Virginia to play them in early November. So their toughest game is a home game remaining on the schedule. So Texas very much alive. Um, Looking at the Pac-12, actually just a little deeper, Oregon is mathematically not eliminated because if you look at it, their only loss was literally gift-wrapped. They they gift-wrapped a game and handed it to Stanford. So I I believe they're still very much alive. They beat Washington this this week. They're kind of in the driver's seat there in the Pac-12 and look quite good in the process. They have a first-round quarterback and are more physical than I can remember. Um, as far as the Big Ten is concerned, I have a difficult time uh, excluding Michigan, um, but I'm just not as sold on, on what they have uh, as compared to what Penn State and Ohio State have. Michigan doesn't have quite the same level of explosiveness, so uh, I expect them to drop a game at some point here or there. But it, it's it's still very wide open. I know people have started to really water it down. I know a lot of people have said of all six, seven teams top still alive, I believe it to be way more than that. And we're going to find out here in the weeks to come as some of these upsets start to come to the surface. I'm with you on that. It's one thing to say how many teams have a reasonable shot to make it. It's another thing to answer the question, hey, if my favorite team just keeps winning, even if you think that's incredibly unlikely, right? Maybe you don't believe that 5-0 and NC State could run the table. Maybe you don't believe that, you know, 5-1 and Michigan could run the table. The fan bases that believe in the hard-to-believe I don't think they can be entirely counted out, right? Because a Power 5 conference champion who won their title and got a, at least a couple of big wins along the way, uh, try to imagine just for fun, you know, a, a 13-0 and NC State. That would mean they went to yeah. Clemson and beat the Tigers, and maybe, just, just for fun, maybe they beat an 11-1 and Miami team in the ACC title game. Now, I know all of that is unlikely, but given what you know about the power structure of the college football playoff, it at least would be difficult for those decision makers to leave a, an undefeated Power Five conference champion out, wouldn't it? Yeah, well, just let's look back a couple of years. Let's look over the history of what the playoff has given us. All right, we at one point a couple of years ago had a 12 and 0 Iowa team in 2015. 12 and 0 Iowa. Now, if Iowa beats, uh, if Iowa wins and beats who was it, Michigan State? In 2015, in the Big Ten Championship, they're in the college football playoff, even though they didn't play a soul right. the entire season. Yep. I mean, literally, not a soul. How about this? Let's take it one step further. How about when North Carolina at 11-1 and was playing against undefeated Clemson, yeah. and Clemson needed an onside kick? North Carolina wins that game. They're in the college football playoff. UNC, 
Larry Fedora led UNC. Three years I mean, ago. It, it is. Yeah, it was 2015. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was just one of those crazy years. And, I mean, it's of course it's reasonable. I mean, I don't remember exactly where Ohio State was ranked in 2014. But I can tell you after they lost to Virginia Tech in week two, and I believe when the college football playoff committee first released their rankings, they were somewhere in the teens. So anything's possible. If you just keep winning, albeit unlikely, college football is the king of unlikely outcomes. So I wouldn't rule out NC State, especially with a really good quarterback, because if there's ever been a a position that means a lot right now in college football, it's quarterback. If you have a first-rounder quarterback like West Virginia does, like NC State does, then you have a chance against anybody. You always have a chance. Speaking of great quarterbacks, you were one for the national champion Crimson Tide. There is another one who fits that description, perhaps in a Heisman-like way, in Tua Tungavaloa. You played for Nick Saban. You represented the Crimson Tide in a lot of big games and have a national championship ring to show for it. I do not expect you to know every Bear Bryant or other Alabama offense of the past, but can you try to put in perspective what Tunga Valoa is doing at QB and what this Crimson Tide offense is doing more generally because they're not just doing good things. They seem to be approaching, you know, historical levels when it comes to Alabama offenses. Oh, they are. I mean, I mean, the offense right now is operating with such efficiency that it's almost just it's not comparable. Right. Because if you if you look at just the interchangeable pieces that they have, so let's, let's just go just line by line. All right, quarterback Tua Tagovailoa leading the Heisman race, great in today's day and age with the RPO game. He still has a very explosive ability to run the football. He's remarkably accurate and can anticipate. So in the world of RPOs, he's exactly what you want. Uh, as far as wide receivers are concerned, they have four guys that are all completely interchangeable. Uh, they have, they're all between 5'11 and 6'1", 175 pounds and 195 pounds, and they can all run 4'4". They're all interchangeable. You can't match up against them. They have a tight end who's 6'3", 245 pounds, who can be a fullback, who can be a wide receiver, and can be one of those versatile pieces that can do so many different things for you in Herb Smith. They have running backs, three of which, one of which in Damian Harris will be a first-rounder next year, a backup who's a redshirt soft, who's a true sophomore in Najee Harris who will probably be a first-rounder two years from now, and a third-string back named Josh Jacobs who's a better receiver than he is running back, and they use him in the RPO game. Like, you can't match up against them. You cannot be right. Because of how they've built this offense and the conflict and the stress they put on the linebackers, you can't be right under any circumstance, and you can't play man-to-man against them because you'll get burned. No one has three corners that can run 4-4 and keep up with guys that are six foot uh, with what they're doing right now. So, they're, I mean, they're impossible to stop. The only way they get stopped is if they stop themselves. and They hurt themselves with penalties and turnovers, and given the way two is currently going, it doesn't seem like that's going to be a big part of what they have in the offense. Last thing for Greg McElroy on Twitter, at Greg McElroy. We have a fun weekend awaiting us. Uh, three matchups involve top 25 versus top 25. Number two, Georgia, still undefeated, visits number 13, LSU, which just fell from the ranks of the unbeaten. Washington, Oregon, as you mentioned. Uh, Wisconsin, Michigan is the other top 25 versus top 25. Which among those 
or even elsewhere. I know undefeated uh, Central Florida is trying to earn its way into more respect with a trip to Memphis this weekend. Michigan State at Penn State. Uh, undefeated Colorado has to go to Southern Cal. What, what's your number one must-see TV college football game this weekend and why? Well, you know, what, what do we always clamor for, right, is an expanded playoff. Like, oh, well, we need, we, well, four teams. Four teams is not going to work. No, we got to go to six or eight, right? Like, that's, you have to have that. Like, because right now, currently, the Tim Brando broken. just said that on our show yesterday. Timmy B was with us, and he just said what you just said there, exactly almost word for word. Oh, well, it's inevitable. That's all anyone says. Oh, well, clearly the system's broken. We haven't crowned a worthy champion at all in the last four years, so <laughs> we need to fix it. My team's not in, so we need to fix it. Well, that's why this weekend's most interesting game is between Washington and Oregon, because that's a playoff game. Like, I, I know it's in the middle of the regular season, and that's like will blow people's minds. Oh, my goodness. Well, how can they have a playoff? It's in the, the regular season. It's not the playoff. No, it is a playoff game. The loser of that game is eliminated. They're gone. They're out. So both teams have one loss. Both teams are jockeying for position in the Pac-12 North. And a, lo a loss eliminates them from playoff contention and more than likely from having a chance to potentially go and represent the North in the Pac-12 championship. Like, it's, it's over. Like, yeah. we have playoff games every week. Yeah. We, we don't call them playoff games, but on the schedule, when you look back at it at the end of the year, you'll circle that game and say, you know, that was a playoff game. The playoffs include 65 teams. I'm not including the group of five because the group of five doesn't have the seat at the table. It's unfortunate, but it's the reality of what we currently have. The playoff has 65 teams in it, and it starts in September. Yep. It doesn't start in January or December. It starts in September. We have one of those playoff games this weekend. That's why Washington and Oregon is the game of the week. I'm with you entirely. I love the big picture and the, the uh, small picture analysis there. I even think you could make an argument, although they're a little farther down the ladder. Wisconsin at Michigan, both in the top 15, both with one loss. I know they're yeah. unlikely to make the college football playoff, but the winner is going to say – don't forget about us, and the loser is going to be eliminated from the playoff, even though it's only October, what, 13th at that point. Uh, well said. Greg McElroy, we always appreciate your insights. Thank you for the time on the David Glenn Show. Thanks, brother. Be good, DG. Right back at you. Greg McElroy, at Greg McElroy on Twitter, everywhere on radio and TV, ESPNU Radio, ESPN, and the SEC Network, former national championship quarterback for the Alabama Crimson Tide.